On today's show, we are going around the NBA. You guys voted for the most interesting teams in the NBA. And so I have three hosts with me today from the Chicago Bulls, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Orlando Magic. Yes, those are the three teams that you guys picked as the most interesting in the Eastern Conference. So I'm going to talk to them today. Get into it on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. right here 10,000 paces east oh east i thought you said west Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and coordinator for the Lockdown Podcast Network. And joining me, Dave Watson, Walker Mel, and Philip Rossman Reich from Lockdown Bulls, Hornets, and Magic, the three most interesting teams of the Eastern Conference, according to you guys. So we'll talk to them. But before you do, Tuesdays with the Lockdown NBA Podcast, East Meets West. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Lockdown Warriors, and David Ramil, host of Lockdown Heat, tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Follow the Lockdown NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's hear my first conversation with the host of Lockdown Bulls, Dave Watson. All right, continuing our series on the most interesting teams in the NBA, the number one answer by far from Mavs fans that answered this poll was the Bulls. The Chicago Bulls were the most interesting team to a lot of Mavs fans. I think they're interested just to see what's this team look like. So I'm bringing in Dave Watson, co-host Lockdown Bulls. He's at Ball Sports. You can go check him out. Dave, what are the Chicago Bulls right now? Uh, Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. (laughs) Um, they're, They're a question mark because we haven't seen it on the floor yet. But it's the most exciting question mark we've seen in quite a very, very, very long time. <laughs> I was we listening. Yeah, I was listening to your show today, and you, you and Matt were like, you know, we just went through our dark period, and now we're coming out. We're finally feeling like we're in the promise. Like, I felt so good for you guys. Dude, <laughs> just, <it> meant you. <laughs> just feeling how you went through your dark ages, basically, is what you guys were talking about. It was so hard. It was so tough, man. Just watching, you know, the IQ on the court be low. And just watching the incompetence just of the entire team, period. You know, from coaching to front office, like it, it was a mom and pop, you know, but it's a corporation, but they were running it like a mom and pop store. You know what I'm saying? Like this yes. is a big time global right. brand. Chicago Bulls are global. That's a thing. And they were running it like, you know, they're just some regular run of the mill team that, you know, is just, you know, having, you know, free turkey name those teams. Yeah, name the, name you know the teams. Name the teams. Oh, oh man. Uh, oh, let me let me throw it at my guy because I was on the show. Shout out to the to the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> the Sacramento Kings because that's my guy. I'm just messing with my guy because I was on the show, man. But but they're a bigger market team. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right, it's the Lakers. Right, right. It's the Knicks. It's the you know. It's the Bulls. You know. It's Boston. Like it's up there. That's what it is. It's a global brand. That it, bull means something. It's strange how it's turned into the big market teams are literally only the coast, right? The New York and the L.A. It seems like those are the only big markets when Chicago is the third biggest market in the United States, right? We, yeah, but we don't yeah. talk about them like that. No, and they didn't deserve to be talked about like that because they were an atrocity. Like, it, it was bad. And but was we, we talk bad. about the benefits of being in a big market, right? Like, oh, this mm-hmm. is the benefit of being in a big market. But the Bulls apparently didn't get didn't get those benefits. So, like, is it market no. or is it, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it, it had everything to do with the losing, just the badness of it. Uh, when Michael Jordan left, there was a big thing when Michael Jordan left. And, free, and the way that he was done, 
that got around the league to where free agents like Kevin Garnett, I remember when he said it, like I, was, mm. I saw the way they did Michael Jordan, I'm not coming there. That lasted for a very long time. That's why we would have free agent signings like Ron Mercer and giving him all kinds of money and Eddie Robinson because we had to pay him all kinds of money and old Ben Wallace, you know, when he had. Yeah, so right. we had to do that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? We were always getting the second tier players you know what i'm saying never getting the big dogs because of that we're just coming out of that we had to just remove like all the mold we had to tear down the wall and take the mold out to clean it out to get a brand new foundation what was the move this summer that that made you feel like okay we turned a corner right so they they mm. signed they, so they, they, tr- they made the trade for vooch for vooch and then you know this offseason then they they signed lonzo they signed caruso they signed you know they signed trade Derozan, all mm. that kind of stuff. what was the move though that made you say oh this is different. We, we turned a corner like we're out of the darkness now, right? What was the one move that kind of made you shift there? It was the Rosen. Uh, I, I knew Zoe was coming. We all I was like the that. nail in the coffin one. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But we all knew Zoe was coming because we tried to get him during the All-Star break and it just didn't work out. We knew he was coming. We knew he was going to be here. DeMar DeRozan was, was not on the radar as far as people like me or fans and stuff. You weren't even thinking about getting a guy like DeMar DeRozan. Usually we don't get those guys. Usually when there's guys that are mentioned that are one or two, they don't come to Chicago. We get five and six. You know what I mean? Like, I think Paul Gasol, you know, he was great here. He was all NBA here and all those things, but he was second tier. Carlos Boozer, the consolation prize when the LeBron James sweet steps was going on. You know what I'm saying? Solid players. They were good, but they weren't the big dog. Everybody was looking at DeMar DeRozan. There were, a lot of teams were after DeMar DeRozan. Where I know they, about the where they after? Where are a lot of teams after DeMar DeRozan? There were seven teams after DeMar DeRozan. That is true. There were about seven teams after him. And even when they put it out and said, yo, his agent said, listen, we know you guys want to talk to him. You know, why don't you guys come to L.A. and, you know, and we'll work something out. They put that out, fill it out to a bunch of teams to do that. The Bulls are the only team that showed up to L.A. Mark Eversley is the only one that went out there and talked to him. Everybody else sent a Zoom call. Everybody was doing like that. Mark Eversley showed up, mm. and it was so good of a meeting to the point that when the Clippers were on their way to that meeting, the agent called him and said, yeah, y'all don't need to come. Y'all okay. We're good now. We're all right. So, yeah, that we don't hear that in Chicago. We're not used to being chosen. Yeah. We're not used to being chosen by the pretty person in high school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that ain't our thing. You know what I mean? So, it that, that that's what let me know we turned a corner because – we were actually chosen by a guy teams were actually trying to get. The Bulls were me in high school is what they, what they were. <laughs> <laughs> Now they're about to be you in high school, right? Hey, man. Just me in general. How about that? <laughs> what? So DeRozan and Zach Levine, that, that's kind of going to be the, the big thing this, this season is how does that duo fit? How did they – probably the biggest question is how do they defend together? How are you mm. feeling about those two as a combo starting and basically like running the offense through those two guys? Yeah, here's how I think it's going to work. I think DeRozan is really going to get his where he gets to, you know, kind of do it his way as far as the iso ball is concerned and running the offense. You're going to see that a lot with the second unit, and I think you're really going to see it in that fourth quarter. That was Mm. one of our biggest problems was in that fourth quarter. It was just Zach Levine and the Temptations. Like, we didn't really have anybody else with him. You know what I'm saying? Kobe White was good, but you can clamp down on Kobe White. You know, he would have a problem getting to the bucket, had a problem with his ball handling. He was better off the catch and shoot and stuff like that. So outside of him, we didn't really have a guy who could create his own shot. We got one of the best shot creators now. <laughs> it's true, yeah, Rosen. He's one of the best at that. So he's going to pay dividends in that way. I think he's also unselfish. I think him being a little older in, in the year that he is, he's not looking to be the best player on the team anymore. He's not looking to be that number one guy. I think he's looking to just be a part of something. 
and, and try to get that team up and try to get that team to winning. So I, that's why I think it kind of works out at. I don't defensively, obviously, DeRozan is not a great defender. You know what I'm saying? But Zach is definitely an improved defender. So I think we can cheat off of that that way. Plus, with the other guys around him in our starting lineup, I think a good defense defensively, like Zoe, like Pat Williams, and guys like that. So, like I said, when it's money time and it's that second unit, I think that's when you're going to see DeMar DeRozan shine. Well, DeRozan hit a, like an absolute awful game winner against the Mavericks this season, I saw this last season. I saw so that it. one was, uh, yeah, he, he he can get it done for sure. Yeah. So. Last season, they make the trade for Vooch, and then we're like, okay, this team is making a playoff push. They're ready to, to make it in the playoffs. They're ready to take that next step. And they just yeah. ended the season looking like anything but a playoff team, basically. <laughs> and it almost yeah. looked like, okay, well, Zach Levine may be out. They may be making a change. They may be just blowing it all up. And then they take this left turn that from the outside looking in. They took this left turn. Uh, what is What are the expectations now? Right, at that terrible end of the season last year. Now you add these players. What are the expectations for this team? Is it baby steps, or are we already at the point of if they don't win a first round series, we're going to be upset? Right? Like, are you already there? I'll tell you. I'll tell you like this. What's awesome about going into this season is last year making the play in game was the ceiling. You know, now making a play in game is like the bare minimum for this team. Mm. I expect them. I have the Bulls at at a at a six seed personally. Um, winning a first round. I don't know yet. Honestly, I'll be real with you. I don't know. Uh, if I think they can on paper. If you look at it, you're like, yeah, they're the team. But you got to see it happen first to know that for sure. But I definitely have them in at a six seed. Um, I hope they win that first round series. That would be awesome. I don't know who will be third. I'm hoping it's Philly because if it's Milwaukee Ooh. or Brooklyn, oh, snap. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's, That's how the East is hard. Yeah, man. They, they tough up there. That's why I say I don't expect a true first round win. But I do expect to be in the playoffs. And I do expect that succeed for this team. So that's my expectation for them. Is it just defense that you're worried about? Is it just how it's all going to fit together? What's the biggest worry with this new team bringing all these guys in? Yeah, uh, defense is, is a concern. Uh, depth on the bench is a concern. Uh, size, I think, is a concern. They don't have any backup bigs. They have Tony Bradley. Yeah. And, like That's kind of it, right? Like, yeah, Tony Bradley of- and, and, and the rookie uh, Marco Simonovic. Like, that's, yeah. that's it. As far as size is concerned, and he's – He's not a bruiser down there like that. Uh, Tony Bradley is. He's kind of that guy, you know, get down and get the rebounds and blocks. But he's uh, Simonovich is more finesse with his game. Hard, hard worker, you know what I'm saying, definitely runs the floor and will get six easy points because he runs the floor and he'll be faster than any center that he's running against. But as far as, you know, that just big man, you know, typical big man and things like that, no, he's not that. I think they, um, yeah, the size is going to be because they they are loaded with wing depth. You know what I mean? Like it's guys who are six seven. Six eight, you know, can play multiple positions. You know, can maybe transfer from the, you know, the three to the four. Uh, maybe cheat at the two if if you want to, if you're trying to play a bigger lineup or something like that. But yeah, that five, they they've made up, they made their piece with saying we're going to be a smaller ball team and we're going to be a team that runs and a team that's going to be in transition a lot. And I'm okay with that. I'm going to trust them in in that sense. But the other main thing for me, Nick, is I wanted a a knockdown shooter. I wanted a knockdown three point shooter. Uh, Kobe White is kind of that guy. I think he's set up for success this year as far as catch and shoot. It's not going to be a lot placed on him coming off the bench. He's just going to be asked to score, which is what he does really awesome. And that's awesome. like, yes, please. Thank you. Yes. Ball, ball, <laughs> shot, score, cash. Wonderful. <laughs> I'll take that all day long because he can yeah. score. He can definitely do that. Um, but I wanted, I wanted that guy. Like I was thinking of guys like y'all, y'all got uh, JJ Reddick. And people like that just Nobody's be on his team. Nobody's got JJ um, right now. <laughs> right, right. I'm just mentioning him because, he's you know, st- he's he was, still he out with you. 
Right. He was with you. Well, maybe we could go get him and see, but I would still like that. I still would like a spot up three point shooter for this team. Mm. That's just. Lon- I mean, Lonzo does kind of fit that. Not really, but yeah. That, this not whole- really, but he- yes. Not really, but yes. He'll knock down He'll knock down a shot. But yeah, th- th- sure, that lineup sure. with like Zach Levine, Lonzo, DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and then you can swing, right? You can go Vooch and play a little bit bigger, or you can play – that's actually a pretty huge lineup. I guess you could go Kobe and play pretty small. You could go yeah. – I don't know. There's a couple other guys you could just throw out. You could just throw out another wing, right? Like Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, throw him, throw him out Brown there and, Jr. Yeah. and shut down Porzingis. God, <laughs> one of the most annoying games last year, playing the Blazers, and Porzingis gets shut down by Derek Jones Jr. I was like, come on. Yeah, I apologize, man. I apologize. <laughs> He's seven feet tall. I'm sorry. I went through that with Lowry. I went through that with Lowry, so I understand what you're going through. Oh, yeah, that. right. I get it. Mavs fans were ready to do that again. They wanted they wanted Lowry marking in. We talked about him like bad. for three weeks in a row. <laughs> I remember, I remember, man. But well, hopefully he succeeds, man, because I had high hopes for him, but it didn't work out here. Dave Watson, one of the best uh, new additions to the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Bulls. Go check it out. It's a great show. I, I don't really care that much about the Bulls, and I find myself listening to your guys' show all the time. It's what? Great. Oh it's, man! It's, hey. Before we get into Lamelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets with Walker Mel, let's talk about sweating. If you have to sweat out a game like what the Charlotte Hornets played against the uh, the Indiana Pacers in the play-in game last season, then you may need sweat block. It's doctor-recommended, doctor-created, works for up to seven days. You get a dry shirt guarantee. They're these wipes. You wipe underneath your arms, and you're going to have a dry shirt, like they said, guarantee for up to seven days. Just follow the instructions. Do what they say. It works. I've used it myself. So if you want to wear what you want, not have to worry about, hey, can I wear this gray shirt outside today because I'm going to sweat through it. I don't want to raise my hand in some kind of function because I'm not going to raise my arms above my shoulders because I don't want to show my pit stains. If you don't want to have to deal with that anymore, get your life back. Get SweatBlock. Get it today, 20% off at SweatBlock.com if you use that promo code locked on. Again, it's SweatBlock. Get the wipes, get the deodorant, all that stuff. Anything on their site, 20% off with the promo code locked on. Also, tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You have all these kind of things to, together. You got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. Check out Direct TV Stream at directtv.com. Dot com. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, continuing around the NBA, we're moving on to a team that a lot of you, I was surprised how many of you said the most interesting team for you in the NBA is the Charlotte Hornets. Joining me now, Walker Mel from the Locked On Hornets podcast. And, uh, I'm Nick Angstead. You will you will probably be able to tell the difference in our the the quality and candor of our voice because Walker Mel, one of the best voices on the network. What you got for me? Oh man, you're too kind. <laughs> you're way too kind. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. And you're uh, the Hornets finally have something to look forward to in the future. And so, like, I can see why there'd be plenty of buzz, if you will, surrounding the team. There's definitely a, a like everybody's going to put them as their league pass team, right? It seems like if you're like, oh, who's the best league pass team? The Hornets are going to be up there for a lot of people, it seems like. Yeah, it, it certainly was the case last year. I mean, there were countless national NBA pundits saying the Charlotte Hornets were that team. I, I think George Sedano said that about the Charlotte Hornets. Stephen A. Smith dubbed Miles Bridges the best in-game dunker. If you get Stephen A. on your side, you're <laughs> going to get a lot of attention. And so the Charlotte Hornets, they kind of arrived in that area. 
the National League Pass team of the association. Now we just got to get a few more wins in that win-loss column, and we'll see if that can take place this season. When's the last time Stephen A. Smith like named the Charlotte Hornets like full oh. name like at all? Probably talking about Michael Jordan. It had to be an MJ yeah, reference. Right. Probably going back to his Carolina college basketball <laughs> playing days. Probably on par with MJ if Stephen A. Smith has anything to say about it. All right, let's get into these Charlotte Hornets. What surprised you? Everything around LaMelo Ball seemed to be uh, you know, just the, the best thing for this team right now. Just the injection of a player that has that type of ceiling. But, you know, he's been people have watched him for so long. I've seen him since since middle school, basically, like seeing his entire life almost play out on Facebook in front of our eyes. What surprised you the most about LaMelo? Like on the court, you can say some stuff off the court too if there is something, but uh, what surprised you most about watching him day in and day out and seeing him every game? Well, I think the number one thing I was worried about as far as his game goes heading into the NBA immediately was the shooting. It's what scared me. I, I still loved the pick when they made it. I was kind of a trade down guy at the time, as long as the right opportunity would present itself. Thank God the right opportunity, at least in my eyes, didn't present itself because clearly LaMelo is the only selection there. He's been amazing, but it's been the shooting that I was scared of. The form, it's odd. Didn't put up great percentages, really playing overseas either. Um, and finishing at the rim, the, the numbers weren't good for LaMelo either, but it was really the shooting from the outside. And before that injury, I think he was at 39%. Then he comes back and still is hovering around 35%. But really before he fractured the wrist, he was not only shooting the ball at an average rate, just a fine enough rate, but actually pretty good at shooting from deep. And I think that's the number one surprising thing. Like even the LaMelo ball truthers that were all in on him being number one overall, where just there were plenty of people out there that wanted him to be the number one overall prospect. Nobody could have seen one, this type of play in general, but also just the shooting and how it happened. I think that's got to be the biggest takeaway as far as the surprise goes. And a great surprise, though, right? Like, that's the one thing really oh, yeah. that, that was holding him back, and it had to be like, oh, okay, good. Okay, good. Like, he can shoot. <laughs> Oh, yeah. um, we kind of had that with Luca, where he the first year he was shooting like you know what thirty one percent, thirty three percent, and then he bumped it up to thirty five. We're like, okay, okay, he could sh he'd shoot efficiently, right? Like finally, you're like, okay, the one thing that may hold him back is not going to be too bad. Well, it's the most, it's one of the most important aspects, right? Especially from anybody in the backcourt, you want them to have that kind of ability, and even when you have someone facilitate at an elite level as soon as they stepped onto the NBA court, which we all kind of assumed. Maybe we were expecting more turnovers, and he had, you know, had a decent amount of those last year, which is expected. But even at that kind of level, facilitating the basketball, you want the shooting to be there. And last year it was. If we talk about what can remain the same, what can sustain itself, like the shooting is something I am going to have my eye on, I imagine, like a lot of people are. You know, can he be... I mean, can he still remain above 36% shooting the entire year like he was before the injury? If he does that again, then you got to feel good about the way that he can continue to progress moving forward. Speaking of progression, what is LaMelo's ceiling? Where do you think he tops out? What do you think is the the limit for him? Or is or is there a limit for, for a guy like LaMelo? Well, I, <laughs> superstar is there, and it's the first time. Look, the Hornets haven't had this type of player in forever. I mean, LJ and Alonzo Mourning, that's the two guys we constantly go back to. Those were the glory days of the Charlotte Hornets. In 2001, we had Baron Davis, Jamal Mashburn, got to the East, we got to the second round of the playoffs, close to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then eventually lose to the Milwaukee Bucks. Like those were our most hopeful moments. LaMelo being drafted has now given this team, this community, 
a new sense of hope. And I think LaMelo having that superstar potential is the reason for that. We love Kimball Walker here. He is the best player in organizational history as far as longevity, producing, all-star appearances. Kimball Walker checks those boxes off, but he never checked the superstar level, right? Like this yeah. is somebody that that's a, a really good player, got to, I think, three consecutive all-star appearances, and they were all well-deserved. But he didn't have the ceiling that Lamelo has. Uh, the, the guy has, you know, the guy has an unlimited amount of potential, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see where he can take it. Continuing to improve defensively, just being more dis disciplined on that end of the floor. We talked about the shooting. You're hoping. I, I wonder what kind of score he can be. Like that's something I'm interested in. Is he going to be a 25 a game guy? Like maybe not. But can he be? I don't know, 22, over 20, and continue to facilitate at a high level, rebounding really well for a point guard because how tall he is. It, he can fill the stat sheet for sure, just like he did last year. Finish the sentence for me about the Hornets. The Hornets' season depends on what? In, internal improvement. I think you saw the Hornets not as active as I thought they would be in free agency as far as the big-time additions, right? They gave Terry Rozier a lot of money on this contract extension, they brought in Kelly Oubre, but the second year is not even fully guaranteed. So he couldn't, he could possibly not be here with this team all that long. Mason Plumley, same thing. It, it seemed like Mitch Kupchak wanted more cap flexibility than to bring in somebody that you could see being here long term. So what it means is that, okay, Kelly could provide something nice for this team. Mason, I was hoping would be a backup center. Probably is going to, uh, they're probably going to rely a lot on PJ Washington at the center spot again. But Mason, you know, will we'll do the starting thing, play less minutes than PJ. Bottom line is that if PJ can significantly improve along with the Miles Bridges and, of course, along with LaMelo continuing to go up the escalator into stardom, then that's going to be a huge deal for the Charlotte Hornets team. They, they didn't go after a Rashawn Holmes to fix their center problem, right? They didn't do that. Mm -hmm. They didn't go after anybody else that was an outside factor as far as how they could improve going into next year. It's all of these young guys that are going to have to take a step up if the Hornets really want to, one, just get into the playoffs outright and avoid the play-in tournament and, and even, you know, even cause some damage once they get to the playoffs. Bonus one in here for you that I just thought of. What happened in that play-in, and what do you take away from that play-in game? Because it was just like an absolute... It was, it was an absolute route. Like, you go back, we were talking about on Lockdown NBA recently... And you just go look at LaMelo's numbers in that game. And you're like, all right, maybe we just throw this game out. It doesn't mean anything. Or did it give him a little of experience? Like, what do you take away from that game? Oh, I think it gave him experience. I think that is valuable. It was hard to tell me that at the time because <laughs> yeah, right. the, the thing is, the playing tournament wasn't even it wasn't even the only game, right? Like the, the last 10 games or so, they were awful. I mean, the Hornets were losing games left and right. And they didn't look even near the basketball team that they were when they actually snuck into the four spot uh, before some of the injuries started to take them out. Um, but but the injuries really did hurt this basketball team. Gordon Hayward, of course, we thought he was going to come back at some point. Never did. LaMelo came back surprisingly so to play the last 10 games of the season. Malik Monk was a big part of this offense last year. And Malik mm -hmm. Monk missing a lot of time. He comes back, plays the last 10 games. But LaMelo and Malik didn't put up great efficiency numbers once they were back from their injuries. And again, no Gordon. Mind you, this is also with Miles Bridges having been out for some time because of COVID-19 protocol. So he, I think the play-in game was like maybe his third, fourth game back. I think you throw it out the window. The Hornets were playing awfully so at the end of the regular season 
that went into the play-in game, plus all of the injuries, it's not like I expect them to you know play anything close to that going into next season. But yeah, it was certainly a disappointing uh, finish to a season that had a lot of hope, but certainly in the middle of it. Yeah, I did. I forgot about the last like five games. Lost to the Pelicans, lost to the Nuggets, lost oh, to the Clippers, brutal. lost at the Knicks, lost at the Wizards, and then that terrible loss. That man, that was a br- brutal end of the season. We know, but... Nick. Thank you. <laughs> well, okay. we're on we're on lockdown maps. I don't know if everybody on here knows that. <laughs> Thank you uh, for that. No, it was bad, and and I don't think any Hornet fan will tell you any different. Last one for you. Who's the most overlooked Hornet? I hear a lot. Obviously, a lot about Lamelo. Um, I, I Miles Bridges apparently got the, the mention from Stephen A. Smith, so maybe yes, he he's did. not the most overlooked, but who's the guy that people are just not talking about enough? You know, I've I've seen some of the redraft stuff, right? Like I, I don't know I, I don't know how much of this is being carried by anybody, you know, with a whole lot of substance, right? Or if it's just some <laughs> content being thrown out there. Yeah. But We've but when it. you but when you right, when you oh same. Oh I hope look, yeah. we are here for the content. Yeah, right. and, unapologetically so. Uh, but when we talk about guys like the PJ Washington draft, for example, mm-hmm. good player, I think last year had a down year, wasn't hitting from two point range like he did the year prior. But if you look at his two seasons in the NBA, really good shooter from deep, uh, played a lot of center. And Nick, I thought defensively he was our best defensive center. And, and Cody Zeller, <laughs> that's always something. <laughs> Cody Zeller. Uh, isn't great defending the post, but can move. I, I'm a Cody Zeller fan, so I, I, you know, we'll see what he does with Portland. But PJ shows some ability to protect the rim. If you look at his block numbers, being like six eight, six nine, barely not even six nine. That's probably giving him way too much height. PJ was among the top twenty guys in blocks per game, if I'm not mistaken. The block percentage for PJ Washington was pretty good as well when he played that five spot. That's something. A lot of other teams don't have when they go to small ball, right? Like, especially even when you have Miles Bridges able to protect the rim, also being a guy that can come in and help if a PJ is stretched a little far away from the basket. I, I think PJ Washington, you know, locked on Hornets listeners know my love for PJ. <laughs> I just think if he fixes the bunnies that he missed at the goal last year, I think that's going to help. I think he will improve in that area. The three-point percentage, it's real. It's legit. I mean, he shot well the last two seasons. And defensively, I think he's a real problem for other teams, especially when the Hornets are so lethal offensively going to small ball. I think P.J. is overlooked. I think he's a guy that will improve going into next year. And just real quickly, you mentioned Miles. As I, I hope that he can stay consistent on the new increased volume going into next year. He showed he could do it the last month of the season. Um, I hope that he can do that again coming into the year and kind of play it out with a 82 game season we went this whole time without even mentioning my my co-host favorite player on the hornets terry rogier i feel like every other week he was coming up with some kind of scenario okay could they make a three-team trade and terry <laughs> rogier ends up in the Mavs? so were you trying to give us porzingis is that what you were trying to no, do he was trying to give you everybody he's oh, like okay. anybody we can we can send isaac just wanted terry rogier but a lot of good a lot of great players to, to watch in in uh, charlotte right now terry rogier mentioned uh we didn't even mention like uh, book night who got drafted yep. there. That's going to be an interesting player to watch. So great stuff over in, uh, in Charlotte, go listen to lockdown Hornets, Walker mail. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Had a good time. All right. Before we move on to talk about Jamal Mosley and the Orlando magic with Philip Ross and Reich, let me tell you about sleeper fantasy in 2018. The fantasy sports expert at sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. It just was games were being won based on 
the players that just played the most games that week, the ones that had the most scheduled games. You play four games, your player is probably going to get more stats than a guy playing three games. And so you're like, all right, well, let me just put the guy that plays the most games and all that. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Picks, and it's only available in Sleeper. In Game Pick, owner pick the owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score ensuring that an even number of games played between opponents. So check it out on Sleeper Fantasy. They cracked the basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building a weekly strategy versus a daily busy work of like, all right, now for basketball, I got to check my team every single day. That's the thing that I don't like about fantasy basketball. You're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start your league with friends today. You will not be disappointed with Sleeper's one-of-a-kind game pick. It's the most strategic basketball experience in the industry. Check out Sleeper Fantasy. Again, Sleeper Fantasy for better NBA fantasy. Also want to tell you about Theragun. Theragun is a handheld percussive device that releases your muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than just vibration alone. We can all have some release of tension, right? Like we got pain if you're getting older, like I'm about to hit 30 and all of a sudden your body feels a little different. I'm sure some of you that are older than me know that even better. The uh, So check out Theragun. You can go to uh, therabody.com slash lockdown. You can try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash lockdown right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Again, therabody.com slash lockdown, therabody.com slash lockdown. All right, continuing our Locked On most interesting NBA teams across the league. And the Orlando Magic got a couple of votes. I was a little interested at first. And then all of a sudden, I put two and two together. Jamal Mosley, former Mavericks assistant. There's some interesting players with the, the, the Magic. And so I had to bring on Philip Rossman Reich, host of Locked On Magic. Philip, thanks for joining us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So let's take a look at the, the Orlando Magic. Like, this is a. I, this is like a tanking team, right? What are the expectations for this team this season? And where do you feel that they are, you know, going to land this year? Yeah. I mean, I think the expectations this season are to just come out of it a healthy. Um, we'd like to see all of our main player, all the main players on the roster get through the whole season um, minus chicanery at the end of the year. Um, but <laughs> I, I think the main goal, the main goal at the end of the, the main goal for the course of the season is just to come out of it knowing or or having some understanding of what this team's trying to be in the future. Like I, I think what's really key is have an understanding of what this team's identity is and and who they're trying to be so that they can start kind of assembling the pieces and players to to get them to that point um or to get them to that to to that goal to that vision. Um you know it's it's it this is a random mix of young guys right now. And so now they need to kind of figure out what their focus is and, and what they're trying to accomplish. It's all, they're also in a weird spot where it seems like, Oh, well they don't have any star players. They don't have any like, but then they have a ton of dudes, right? Like they have a ton of players. Cause you're all of a sudden thinking, okay, Markel Fultz, you know, when he comes back, he just got that contract. So he'll be, you know, at the, the forefront of the guard position, but then they just drafted Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, they just drafted and they've been trying to bring him along. You also still have RJ Hampton. Like where does Gary Harris fit and all that? They just traded for, uh, is it just building off around Jalen Suggs? Do you think that's the guy that they're going to eventually build around? Or do you think that it's kind of just up for debate right now and up for, you know, like combat, like trial by combat, basically whoever comes out on top is going to be the one that they build around. I mean, I think to some extent it's going to be trial by contact. I mean, you know, 
I don't think anyone wants something handed to anybody. I mean, you know, especially at the, this beginning stage of a rebuild, if you, if you hand the keys to Jalen Suggs without him earning it, he's going to lose a lot of trust with people in the locker room. He's going to lose trust with a lot of his teammates, although everyone on this team seems to really like each other personally. Um, it, it, he's just going to have this expectation that he's the guy. You, you do want him to earn it for sure. And, and I don't even think it's a sure thing that he's going to start. But, you know, you look at the roster, you look at the talent level on this roster, Jalen Suggs, at least for now, because yes, we're talking about a team that's probably at the bottom of the standings and might be looking at another high lottery pick next year. <laughs> for now, Jalen Suggs, I think, is the guy that that they believe can turn into a star and can turn into a player that they can really build around, or at least a player that will be part a key part of the core moving forward. Um, I think the Magic certainly want to see what Jonathan Isaac can do uh, with kind of more responsibility uh, offensively because you know, you look at his numbers, he was always the fifth guy in the lineup. Um, he had a usage, he's never had a usage rate greater than 20% in any season he's played. And I know he hasn't played mm-hmm. a lot, but essentially this is a guy that's just kind of there on the floor as a cutter, a slasher, you know, cutting along the baseline. If he hits an open three, great. He's there for his defense more than anything else. Now he's one of the team leaders. He's one of the older players on the team, believe it or not. Um, the Magic are going to want to put the ball in his hands a little bit more and give him a little bit more freedom to shoot, which he's never really had. So, you know, like I said, a big part of this this season is figuring out what you have and how you build build to what you're what you ultimately envision. Some of that is also figuring out okay, where does each of these players ultimately fit in the bigger picture, and what do we need to go get to kind of emphasize the guys we want to focus on? Are Isaac and Fultz supposed to be ready for the season? Is that the expectation? Uh, I I would expect Isaac will be ready for the start of the season. Um, there has been the Magic are notoriously quiet on injury issues, and they are notoriously cautious on bringing guys back. Um, Jonathan Isaac actually had like a a, a, a festival with his church, um, you know, kind of a charity festival uh, a few weeks ago, and the Orlando Sentinel caught up with him, and he said, you know, he wouldn't commit that he'd be ready for training camp, um, which is a little bit concerning considering his surgery was yeah, yeah. August 9th, twenty twenty. It's been more than a year. ACL injuries, as I'm sure you guys know, in Dallas. The issue is not necessarily that you can come back. It's the time it takes to recover. And 12 months is usually a pretty good benchmark. Uh, I, I I still think Isaac will probably be ready for the start of the season. I, I find it hard to believe it would be it would take that long. Uh, he said that he is, you know, starting to finish around the rim, which, you know, could mean he's dunking, could mean a lot of things. It, it doesn't sound like he's necessarily playing five on five, full contact, you know, whatever at this point. Um Marco Fultz got hurt in January. I, I suspect he won't be back until around Christmas, maybe Thanksgiving if everything's going really well. I think there's a little bit more pressure for him to try and get back on the court because of his contract situation. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's not clear when either of those guys are going to be back on the, on the floor, which, you know, only adds to the mystery and intrigue of this team. Seriously, yeah. When you when you put it like that, Fultz isn't going to come back till Christmas. Uh, that puts the ball even more in Jalen Suggs' hands. Like, this is really, from the jump, going to be – kind of his team, at least from the beginning, because who else is going to, who's going to take it from him? Like, is Cole Anthony going to take it from him? I mean, Cole Anthony would be your best bet, but, you know, you go back and look at Summer League. I thought there was some fun alpha posturing at the end of the Magic Summer League, first Summer League game against the Warriors. (laughs) I love some good Summer League alpha posturing. (laughs) Seriously, like, like I was watching it. I was like, oh, I was like watching it. Like Jalen saw the Magic were down eight in the fourth quarter. Again, Summer League, like, like, uh, (laughs) calm down. But um, the Magic are down eight in the fourth quarter. Jalen Suggs goes on a little scoring flurry, gets some tied, gets them back in the game. And then the last minute and a half, Cole Anthony has the ball in his hands and he's not shooting well. He's not playing particularly well. He's got the ball in his hands. You can just kind of tell like Cole Anthony's like, 
I'm winning this game. I hit two game winners last year. I'm going to win this game. <laughs> he proceeded to, I think, miss a jumper and then turn the ball over on two straight possessions. And Jalen Suggs bailed him out with a block shot to force overtime. Yeah. And, and, and from that point on, I was just like, Oh, this is this is Jalen Suggs' team, and, and he made it known that this 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 is his this is his show to run. So, who, who knows? I mean, Cole Cole, to his credit, is is a huge cheerleader for everyone on the team. But we'll, we'll see how much that changes when uh, yeah. someone's eating into his minutes. Speaking of running the show, what's what's been the the uh, reception of Jamal Mosley by Magic fans, by you know Magic media, by people in Orlando? What do you think has been the reception for Jamal Mosley, and what are the expectations for him as a coach? Yeah, I think I think there's there's a there's high expectations for Jamal for Jamal Mosley. Not not necessarily for wins losses. I mean, I think everyone understands it's going to be a rough season on that front. But I think what a lot of people are expecting is that the style of play is going to be very very different. Um, you know, Mosley, we're starting to learn. You know, we haven't had a ton of interaction with Jamal Mosley. Obviously, it's just summer league. You know, COVID's kind of restricted everyone from being around a lot of the players as much as the coaching staff and figuring out who they are. But he coached Mosley's, the summer league team, right? He did coach yeah. this. He coached the summer league. He, so. He coached the training camp for summer league, um, which to me was probably more important than summer yeah, league itself. To be honest, it, it felt like they actually ran a real training camp and real practices to let him kind of get his feet wet. And you know, the Magic had a lot of players that are going to be on the roster participate in summer league practices. Even Mo Bamba came over and practiced with the team uh, before they actually began the summer league games. Although he did not play in, in the summer league itself, um, so he coached the team. He got that experience with them. Um, you know, everyone seems to at least fans really like kind of the kind of quiet confidence. Um, you know, he is speaking very positively about everyone, which is something that we expected. But, you know, I think the big thing everyone's expecting is that he's really going to gonna really push his team to push the pace a little bit more uh, and be more aggressive and assertive. Um, you know, Steve Clifford is a fantastic coach. I think he was the right coach for that veteran group. Um, he's a very conservative coach. Uh, his rules are don't turn the ball over, don't give up offensive rebounds, don't give up points in the paint. Um, you know, it's very much make them beat you. Don't try and force things to happen. And with a young roster like this, I think everyone wants to see the magic, be a little bit more aggressive, get into guys a little bit more, go for steals, try and get out and transition a little bit more. And that seems to be something that, that mostly, you know, maybe not stressing to the, to the nth degree, to the like extreme degree, but is something that is part of, of how Mosley wants to run his team and wants his team to play. Um, the buzzwords that he's, he's uh, kind of, given to everyone, which nobody knows what they mean quite yet. Uh, on offense, he wants the team to pe- play with pace, space, and the pass. And on defense, he wants them to be uh, tough, together, and talking, um, which, again, <laughs> who knows what any of that means yeah, at right. this point. Um, those, those are just buzzwords. Those are Carlisle we're, we're words, just, too, by the way. A couple, huh? de- couple of those are definite Carlisle buzzwords, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I'm sure George Carl. I'm sure there's, there's a lot borrowed from George Carl on there as, as well. Um, uh, Carla, we Rick, don't know what Rick the, Carlisle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's, there's, we don't know what any of those words mean. Uh, so we're going to probably spend <laughs> training camp and preseason defining yeah. those words. <laughs> uh, last thing for you, is there somebody that I'm not, I'm not thinking about enough or talking about, or we're not talking about enough with the magic. I mean, Chumo Kiki is a guy that kind of sticks out as, you know, he could be a really interesting player. Is it, is it Franz Wagner? I haven't even mentioned his name yet so far. Is there somebody that can maybe Wendell Carter Jr. Maybe is there somebody that, that could pop that we're not talking about enough? I think it's, I think Chumo Kiki is a guy that, that not a lot of people are talking about. He kind of flew under the radar last year. Um, he was, a, he was a rookie last year cause he sat out a year, uh, with the, with the torn ACL. So he, you know, you know, again, Mavericks fans probably know this as well as anyone. 
torn ACLs. It's a, it's almost a year to, to recover completely from the injury. And then another year of actually playing before you're kind of back to normal. Um, last year was Okiki's kind of get back to normal uh, season. And I think the magic were really impressed with, with him overall. I mean, his numbers don't look fantastic. Um, he's kind of coming off the bench. You know, he's definitely a rookie. He was making rookie mistakes, but uh, he shoots the ball really well. Um, he he just he just needs a little bit of confidence to to work off the dribble. And when the Magic were able to kind of give him some time and space to to play off the dribble and attack attack the basket, he was surprisingly effective. He had some really strong games for the team last year. Um, he had a really nice run as well. I think it was in December or January when the Magic made a West Coast trip and they had literally no one else to play. Um, he really stepped up, and, and he seems like he's a guy that does a lot of the right things that coaches like. Uh, I would definitely keep an eye on Chimo Kiki and. Another name that we have not mentioned at all that, you know, again, the fit is kind of interesting. It's still kind of hard to figure out exactly where he goes. RJ Hampton. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real, you know, Dallas guy, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, he's, he's, you know, really, really fast. Um, and with a lot of those speedy guys, you got to figure out how to control that speed. Um, just playing for the magic last year did wonders for him. He got better as the season went on and yeah, he accumulated a lot of stats and garbage time, but it's better you do that than not do that. Um, and I think what's really going to be interesting is how much he's improved now that he he's gotten playing time. He's in an environment where they want him to play and, and they're not going to kind of put winning pressure on him. It's going to be a, a interesting team, maybe not fun to watch, but there are definitely going to be some interesting moments for sure. There, There's going to be, I would, I would say, I would say this about the magic. They're, they're not going to win a lot of games, yeah. but they're going to be a team that, you know, when they pop up on, on leak pass and if it's a close game, you're going to watch. Okay, there you go. Philip Rossman Wright, go follow him on Twitter. Go listen to Lockdown Magic and also the Orlando Magic Daily. Go check it out. Thanks so much for joining us, Phil. No problem.